It is Wednesday, March 2nd, and you are listening to Run That Back. I am Scott Bunn. And I am Tom Chalmers, and this is your Indie Sports Radio. March Sports is coming in yes. like a lion. Why am I saying that like Mayor Quimby? <laughs> like a lion. <laughs> yes, or not many, a lamb. <laughs> or many other fine feline jungle cats. <laughs> yes, but it's March, which is, uh, we've said this many years, we've been doing this show a long time, but uh, yeah, March is a good sports month. Uh, April and October are the yes. best sports months, but we're we're in good shape here. Uh, we sure are, and we'll, we'll, we'll touch on a few things about... Uh, as we step into March, we'll we'll reach back into a little bit of uh, February, yes, and we'll be uh, talking later in the hour with uh, Justin McGuire, who wrote a fantastic piece for the Mountain Express, yes, um, Pride of the Diamond, looking back at Asheville's pennant women pennant winning black baseball team. So, just one of those things when you read it, you're like, I would love it if this guy came on and talked to us, and he happily agreed. So, we're really looking forward to that interview. Well, we're also looking forward to baseball, <laughs> which maybe not so much too. We're going to just talk about uh, some NBA and some other uh, basketball stuff in just a second. But I did just want to start it off, since we will be talking about baseball yes. later. We should be in spring training right should, now. Should. Should. Woulda, um, shoulda, coulda. Uh, and it appears that we are headed towards um, labor stoppage, um, yeah. where it, it feels like um, uh, Major League Baseball has already pushed back opening day. Right. And you're, you just, uh, you know, things are complicated. And, yes. Uh, th- these, again, big business. Yeah. <laughs> Something I know little about. But I do know, like, are you reading the landscape? You're yeah, kind of right. like the the third best Chinese food restaurant is raising <laughs> their prices. Yeah. You know? They're like, what are you doing? I but, know. Like, this isn't helping you guys right. to not have your sport happening. Yes. You know? Because there's a lot of sports happening all the time now. Yeah. And, uh. You rarely win. Yes. So <laughs> exactly. Why would you make yourself less available? I know. And and yeah, and it is all of those things. But it it does continue to be like uh major league baseball owners and the commissioner mm-hmm. um don't really care about their fans so much. That's the that's the impression I usually get with these things. Mm-hmm. Is like, well, you can't have this thing that you like. Um because <laughs> We want to make even more money than we're already making. Uh, and lots of, yeah, there's, you know, a, a deadline and then they, they 14 hours. We're going to get it. To, no, actually, we're not. We're not going to get it done. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. And uh, I do think if it's, you know, it's back on track within two weeks, should be fine. But if you go really taking away much of April baseball, uh, that won't be great. Um, I am going to bring my... Um liberal lens um to the to just some of the coverage yes. uh sports coverage of this uh labor negotiation like the ap had a thing um where they said oh this player showed up to no- negotiations in his porsche and I, and you were like well what uh, vehicle brought the owners to <laughs> the same meeting was it the um oligarchy type it was a 2002 yacht. camry yes exactly <laughs> got a really good deal out you're of like it. they flew in from their on their charter jet to get right. there you know and then got into their porsche right so yes um but anyways uh, i i just thought it was amusing uh hope, hopefully baseball will will find us soon but we are not left without that's right um, 
So again, exciting times for Asheville. Again, thanks to Dent Bradford for coming mm-hmm. on with us last week. Um, and uh, it is now the week of the SOCON Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament. Madness starts here. Um, and uh, it, <laughs> Are we it, legally it has obligated to um, say it? Today yeah. is the first day of, of games, and um, hooray for all that. Uh, and my son Levi gets to go. Um, he's going to a game, and he's going to do the downtown triple. That's excellent. Yeah. Well, hooray for all so that. He's very excited. Um, we'll stay talking uh, basketball, and uh, the, the NBA mm-hmm. uh, continues to be... Uh, very entertaining with, uh, as you said, we could play the game of uh, uh, two guys watching John Morant clips just <laughs> making uh, funny sounds. Yeah. Oh, oh, my God. Oh, God. Ah, ah. And he had this game just the other day. Here, I'll just go on that thing where they were like, he he had like 52 points mm-hmm. in a game and he had like an amazing dunk over a Spurs player, mm-hmm. like a guy going like, oh, and he dunked over him. He had a buzzer beater and... There is some other incredible game, all within one game. And, yeah, you're starting to hear it. Like, I heard one commentator said, he kind of reminds me of Michael Jordan. And you're like, yeah, I, it's not outlandish to say that kind of thing. Uh, it's it's yeah, just uh, fun to see these uh, just super talented players emerge, yeah. um, which takes me to, to the uh, other side of things. Uh, which <laughs> the is super untalented players? No, but oh, okay. uh, when... when uh, LeBron and Kevin Durant mm-hmm. sort of faced off uh, two consecutive years in the finals, yes. and you're like, "This is amazing! This is yeah. going to just the fact that this is going to go on for mm-hmm. you know so many more years." Oh my god, incredible! And meanwhile, <laughs> they are now both on teams that are fighting just to uh, stay in the top ten teams, yeah. uh, just to, just for the play in. Yeah. You know. So it was just really crazy that that wasn't that long ago, three <laughs> years ago. Yeah, um, that they were just like dueling right. majestically blah blah and they are both still quite good right like, and lebron is doing things that no player his age has ever done before even yeah. wilt and otherwise um but the lakers are losing mm-hmm. doesn't help that anthony davis is hurt but that uh happens with him right and then yeah kd's been hurt and you know there's lots of reasons why that the nets are, are struggling uh and now adjusting to a, a recent big trade but still, the fact that we're not talking about, uh, they're probably going to match up again right. in the finals. We're like, are they even going to make the playoffs? I know. There's the play-in game. LeBron, who was at, against the play-in right. game tournament um, for so now so long, he may have to um, participate in that to, yeah. in order to make the playoffs. Um, so, yeah, I thought that you're going to are you going to sit out the play in game tournament on principle probably not <laughs> if but, you're the 10th uh, seed another very entertaining very talented player in that same draft i believe it was uh, luka doncic mm-hmm. they uh the mavs played the lakers last night in uh, los angeles and uh, yeah lebron had this incredible third quarter where he's just shooting three pointers from you know <laughs> the 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 you know, changing room right. um and you're like, oh, but still, you're like, oh, yeah, but you had a great third quarter. They right. had three other good quarters, yes. and they, they won by you know five or six kind of thing. And Luke uh, Doncic was was incredible, and That's actually was uh, choosing to play right at LeBron mm-hmm. um, a lot of times because then if he does uh, distribute, mm-hmm. um, LeBron is not in a position to close in on that other uh, guy yeah. since he's the best defensive player on the on yeah. the team. Uh, draw him in, mm-hmm. and so he's. He's already guarding you. Yeah. Um, someone else is going to be not guarded by him, um, or, or even just taking him on and doing the this 
twisting fadeaway shot that right. uh, he's uh, figured out how to do that not even LeBron could defend. Um, I liked this uh, stat that came out. So we talked about the big James Harden, Ben Simmons trade yes. uh, before the trade deadline. So Harden played his, he's now played a few games, mm-hmm. but this was right after um, his first game as a sixer. And they said, uh, multiple people pointed this out on Twitter. James Harden has tied Ben Simmons on the Sixers all-time three-pointers made list after one game. And it's just like, oh, that's uh, that's just such a, a, a twist of the knife right there. And while people like to talk a lot about the unpredictability of uh, Kyrie Irving mm-hmm. uh, off the court and otherwise. There was a great game. The Nets played the Bucks mm-hmm. this, uh, this past week, and he was incredible. Yeah. And he was the reason that they won, yeah. even without KD. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, ben, ben Simmons, ben Simmons. Uh, yeah. hasn't, uh, won't see the court uh, anytime soon. But you are reminded that he can do things. Mm-hmm. He can just sort of wind his way through and find an angle to the basket or same thing, do a fall away. Right. So even though the guy guarding him is eight inches taller, so it goes up and over him, and you, it is fun to be like, oh, that's right. He, he, he's really quite good at this. And I still say I can't believe that uh, Uncle Drew doesn't get uh, enough mention. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think we were like, fine, he's a little up and down and everything, but yeah. uh, he did a fine job with that movie. <laughs> I, I only saw the clips, I have to uh, say. It kept charming. It was just yeah. charming, and it worked. And, like, uh, all the players, you know, as the kind of older versions of, of themselves, like, you know, coming out of uh, – Got a grandpa retirement. Um, so I think he should get a pass for at least one of these things because he did a pretty good job with the uh, funny old man basketball movie. Well, you know, we do the movie um, selection rotation in our house. Yes. Like, okay, whose turn is it now? Um, and so that means that I've seen the Jennifer Lopez vehicle, Marry Me. Um, so yes. I've seen that, yes, but I've have. never seen Uncle Drew. So do I need to put it on the list? You do. Okay. You do. And the kids would enjoy it. It's okay. very funny. Okay, that's uh, good. And it's sweet, and uh, I don't think really you know gets uh, <laughs> remarkably adult at any point. That's uh, that's what I have to look out, out for, yeah. I did show them the last uh, a Mission Impossible movie recently, and there was a lot of like, oh, oh, and I'm like, oh, you should be watching this with Tom Chalmers, too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, very visceral response to yeah. such things. Uh, I did want to say quickly in the NBA – there are there's just wide open nature of the uh of the eastern conference mm-hmm. means like there's a lot of chatter because of brooklyn because of philly because of the trade deadline stuff where it's still just like oh yeah miami is a very good team mm-hmm. you know and um, milwaukee is a really good the team chicago bulls are actually in first place right now chicago <laughs> bulls are really good and people keep getting hurt and DeMar DeRozan is de lovely, as uh, my friend Mike Vago has been saying, but he's just been incredible. Yeah, so there's been these teams, the Bulls, the Heat, whatever, that nobody's really talking about. Uh, it just, yeah, I, I'm excited for, for playoffs to come around and see, see some of these teams uh, face off on, on a regular basis. Me too. Um, and then the last thing was... Um, there's some fun soccer as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw, yeah, it is, it's the Caraboa Cup. Is that... <laughs> Is that how it's pronounced? I can't remember. Right. Um, but yeah, that's the one thing that's a little confusing about um, uh, Premier League or even English soccer. Mm-hmm. The teams in general are like, so this is a different FA Cup? Mm-hmm. What, what? Which one is this kind of mm-hmm. thing? So there's all these kind of side tournaments. that, But it's still, it involves um, really awesome play. 
And so the final of the Carabao Cup was uh, Liverpool and Chelsea. Mm-hmm. Uh, incredibly exciting. Zero, zero tie yes. in regulation. <laughs> yeah. And... Zero zero in the extended time, so they went to uh, penalty kicks. So they couldn't find a way to score mm. in 130 minutes, and then then everybody scored. Yeah, uh, they literally, yeah, they went 19 for 20 oh. on penalty kicks, and yeah. then uh, finally getting to the goalies having to shoot on each oh, other. I, yeah, that's uh, great. And the first goalie for Liverpool w- was able to score, and yeah. then the guy for Chelsea, who they brought in off the bench with, Kappa, like, yeah. with like two two minutes left in extended time. They're like, yeah. this this guy's our penalty kicks guy. Yeah. Um, he like kicked it to the moon. Oh <laughs> he just like, way over there. They're like, oh, sorry. Yeah. Um, but it, it is crazy that a 0-0, zero, zero, uh, you know, 130 yeah. minutes of 0-0 zero, zero could be so exciting. Wildly And then Liverpool just always seems to come out on top in these situations. It is it is crazy that um, what's happening in the Premier League, because there's just so much turmoil around, you know, uh, Manchester United um, and, uh, you know, Tottenham, just like, wh- mm. why can't they get their stuff together that we're not really talking about how good Man City and mm. Liverpool are playing? Like Jurgen Klopp said the other day, he was like, this is the best Liverpool. This is the best team I've ever had. I've mm-hmm. ever coached, and that's saying something uh, with all of his Liverpool teams. Uh, there's just so much happening, and then also off the pitch too, because Roman uh, Roman Abramowitz, uh, the owner of Chelsea, is a Rosh- Russian oligarch in uh, quotes, uh, and so it's looking like he is going to sell his team. Um, so we're going to have to see what happens with that situation. Which too. is a much wider conversation. Yeah, mm-hmm. there, there is, there's a trouble in the world this week. <laughs> yes, and, there and is. Sports can seem silly and all of it. But there was uh, some nice moments of solidarity mm-hmm. and uh, uh, even uh, seeing Ma- uh, Manchester City was mm-hmm. uh, playing another FA Cup thing. <laughs> right. Uh, but they were really trying to set up... Uh, Zevchenko mm-hmm. kind of thing. So, like, you can tell that they were feeding him, wanting yeah. him to score a goal. He's a Ukrainian. You're player. right. Um, so there was just a lot. There were some nice moments in sports where yeah. it, it did present itself well. Like sometimes sports is not all just like football and goal. <laughs> right. uh, yeah, and you're awful. Yes, for <laughs> for rooting a for a different yeah. color shirt. We've been talking about uh, basketball and such. Uh, we did talk about. Um, how we wish spring training uh, was happening right now, but not quite. But we're still able to talk some baseball here on Run That Back. Uh, we are. So again, <laughs> often I am combing Facebook to see if anybody I know has posted about something that has a strong opinion <laughs> on sports or otherwise. But uh, uh, the gods gave us the gift of a cover story on the Mountain Express last week. Uh, so we reached out and asked the writer if uh, he would come in and talk about it. So joining us is... Uh, Mountain Express staff writer, Justin McGuire. Justin, thanks for being with us. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Um, so we're excited to get to the article, but we always feel like it's a good idea to let people know uh, who they're listening to. So we'll just uh, ask you a little bit about yourself. Uh, uh, where did you grow up? Um, I grew up primarily in Rochester, New York, mm-hmm. the suburbs of Rochester, New York, um, until I was in high school. And uh, after my freshman year of high school, my family moved to this area, mm. uh, to the Asheville area, and I actually we ended up, we actually ended up living in Hendersonville. Mm-hmm. And I finished up high school at Hendersonville High School, um, went on to UNC Chapel Hill, mm. and have lived a variety of places since then, um, including most recently before this Charlotte 
for like 18 years. Mm. And then in 2017, for some family reasons, my family and I moved back to Hendersonville. Gotcha. Um, so are your college uh, allegiances with uh, UNC? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's, uh, I'm a big Tar Heel guy. And uh, unfortunately, this has not been our best year. Mm. I'm not particularly looking forward to the Duke game this weekend. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't think I don't think that game's going to end well, and I think it's going to be that storybook ending for Coach K. So I don't think I'll be watching that one. I don't know if I can take it. <laughs> wow. Understood. But we can. Yes. We, we've got a nice short list of people we reach out to whenever we <laughs> want to talk about uh, uh, things UNC. Charlie Flynn McKeever from NC State and other right. places. So uh, good, good to know there's, there's, there's someone else. But yeah, we we won't press that topic too hard right now. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, yeah. I think they're going to make the tournament, but that's about it. Uh, yeah. Growing up, did you uh, play sports or follow sports? With uh... I, I played baseball. I, I will say I was not very good. Mm. I played little league for you know for however many years you play little league. I don't know, uh, six years, seven years, something like that. I was never a particularly good player, but I always loved the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I was always more. You know, I was always one of these people who. You know, on the bench, I'd be sitting on the bench a lot, but I was always the guy who knew all the major league statistics. Mm-hmm. And I, I knew all the the trivia and all that stuff. All the other guys were actually out there playing. We'll talk. Yes. Boring, yeah, boring people with my my baseball you're, trivia. You're, you're describing my life. Yeah, uh, yeah, to exactly. Me. Uh, I own the baseball encyclopedia. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. so yeah, it was that. Um, so. Um, so with baseball, did you have a favorite team? You, you mentioned Rochester. You mentioned Charlotte. Neither of those, uh, you know, are sort of traditional baseball towns, communities. Right. I, I follow a team, uh, a team from another city that barely has a baseball team. Mm-hmm. That's the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, mm-hmm. Yes. Um, growing up in Rochester, mm-hmm. the uh, Rochester Red Wings at that time were mm-hmm. the AAA affiliate of the Orioles. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So a lot of people in Rochester ended up gravitating towards the Orioles for that reason, and I did as well, mm-hmm. um, and have stuck with them ever since through. through Thick and mostly thin. Well, you know? they were good when you were younger. <laughs> when yes. I was a kid, they were very good. They yeah. won the world. They were in the World Series when I was a sixth grade, and they won mm-hmm. it when I was in high school. Uh, and since then, it's been mostly bad baseball. Yeah. They've had a few periods here and there, and they were pretty good, but not a lot of great baseball coming out of the Orioles. I'm optimistic about the future because mm. they do have a pretty good farm system right yeah. now. They have number one prospect. In baseball, on Adley Rushman, mm. they have number one pitching prospect in DL Hall. So, if they ever actually get onto the field and play Major League Baseball, yes, I'm hoping maybe within a couple of years they'll they'll be a legitimate team. I got to go to Camden Yards for the first time ever just a few years ago, pre-pandemic, um, and yeah the the team wasn't great um they were playing the dodgers there were decidedly more dodgers fans there than orioles fans and that meant there was like 200 to 100 people there um but uh it was great to be there at camden yards have have you gone have you made the pilgrimage yeah yeah i I lived in northern virginia during the 90s got it so i would go there a lot back when they sold out every game it was actually tough to get a ticket yeah um, and that was before the Nationals, of course. So mm-hmm. everybody in Northern Virginia would go, and they were pretty good. They right. had that period when they won the they won the division in '97. They made the playoffs in '96. So and they, they had some pretty exciting players yeah. at that point. And of course, um, Cal Ripken broke the the streak in '95. So there was a lot of excitement at Cam Yards in the '90s. Yeah. So I've been, I, w- I went many times uh, during that period of my life. I've uh, been back a few times since mm-hmm. then. I, I get back maybe every few years. Saw a game last year with my son, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, same thing. It was an Astros game. There was it was a week night, and there was 
I mean, you know, good good seats still available. I'll put yeah, that I, yeah. I bought tickets for like twenty bucks, and they were really close. And I was like, oh, I can just walk up and yeah, sit behind no, home no, plate. Yeah, they, yeah. Don't, they don't care. Yeah, <laughs> I will say this: I am going later in the summer. I am going to go to see Paul McCartney at Camden. Oh, nice! So that's going to be a, an experience where there will actually be some people there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but it is it is a noble pursuit to be a, a, an Orioles fan these mm. days. Yes. Uh, again, we have. Uh, well, Sometimes I'm, talk to uh, city council person Kim Roney, who's a big uh, Baltimore Orioles fan, and sh- she shares like every yeah, month, every yep. year. We're it's, still believing. It's tough, I, and, I, and the worst part is I've made my son into an Orioles fan. <laughs> <laughs> he's in college now, Thanks, but he's uh, yeah. I, I, I feel bad that I um, you know put that upon him that he's yeah. had to deal with that his whole life. He couldn't have couldn't have picked the Yankees or the Red Sox or right. something, you know. So. Yeah, it's it's tough as a parent um, having to decide about those things. Uh, he uh, decided on his own. I tried to dissuade him, honestly, and he just but he gravitated towards them. And he uh, that's funny. He's, it's like people in show business, you know, trying yeah. to, to, to you know convince yeah. their kids to do anything else. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> um, and so, um, you know, you uh, you write currently for the Mountain Express. Have you done sports writing throughout your career? No, uh, not throughout. Okay. Uh, my, uh, just just give you the, the thumbnail sketch. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my background's in journalism, okay. news- newspaper journalism. I, I was a newspaper reporter for a long time, a newspaper mm-hmm. editor uh, for a long time. In um, I, w- I was working at a paper in suburban Charlotte okay. when this opportunity came up to work for the Sporting News, mm. which by that time, this is about 2008, mm-hmm. they had moved our editorial operations to Charlotte from St. Louis, where right. they had been for literally more than 100 years. Um, so I I was working on the website of uh, the newspaper, and they were looking for a web editor, so I had the experience in the mm-hmm. web. And anyway, that led me to Sporting News, worked there for about eight years, and eventually became the Major League Baseball editor for Sporting that's News. That's great. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's great until um, – as <laughs> yes. as as it as yes. it's very common in that industry these days, there there was a round of layoffs and mm-hmm. I got let go in 2016. Yeah. So um, you know it was a great experience. Mm-hmm. I loved it. I'm glad I did it, but it it, it ended unceremoniously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that, that's tough. Uh, yeah, and you know, sporting news is definitely something that. Um, yeah, when I was younger, it was a big thing, oh, yeah. the sporting news. Absolutely, uh, yeah. It, not so much anymore. No, and it's – I mean, I will say this. I, I still have a lot of friends who work mm-hmm. there. They still have a, a pretty good operation. It's all digital now. There's that's no great. print yeah. product. It's still out there. They're still doing the baseball awards every year. Oh, that's great. They're still doing yeah. all that stuff. So it's it's there, and they have some some, some excellent writers. So mm-hmm. um, I, I think, you know, for sports fans, it is there's still some, some value to it if you want to check it out. That's awesome. That's yeah. great. Just mentioning it, I can feel yeah. the texture. You know, yeah. like yeah. I had the sense Absolutely. memory yeah, of it. I mean, sort of like this, Express yeah. is uh, close, but uh, yeah. I feel like the sporting news was a little well, coarser. Same, same way for me. I still have the sporting news from after the Orioles won the World Series in mm. 1983. I've still got it from after the Tar Heels won the national championship in 1993. Yeah. So, yeah, that was part of growing up for people of, of our generation. Well, and I was just talking with a friend last night about the uh, about Baseball Weekly. Was yeah. that a was that a product of the sporting news? Uh, that, was that was Gannett. That was Gannett, yeah. yeah. That was but I, just how that um, kind of advanced um, the idea of uh, sort of statistical analysis yep, in yep. the late 80s. And so, but just what a what a great publication that oh, was. Oh, I loved too. it too. Yeah, yeah, you pick it up and you just... You just sit there and for you know nothing but baseball for however many pages. Yeah. this is all pre-internet, of course. Yes. Now you can get it on your phone, but right. it was a different experience, as you guys know. Yeah. Um, so you seem 
perfectly positioned to write a baseball article. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. um, so just curious, is this an article that you uh, pitched to uh, yes. Mountain Express? Yes, I, um, yeah, well, just, just to forward it a little bit, I, we mm-hmm. moved here in 2017, mm-hmm. uh, like I said, for, fam- for various family reasons, and I was doing some freelancing, and I was um, doing some parenting. My, my son was, uh, at that time, wasn't driving, and mm-hmm. my mm-hmm. wife was working uh, you know, a lot of hours, so I was doing a lot of the, lot of the parenting stuff. Um, and it really worked out great for that, you know, having a flexibility of schedule. But I was doing some freelancing. I was doing a podcast, which mm. I think we might talk about a little bit later. Oh, yeah, yeah. Let's, uh, let's talk about that later, yeah. And uh, so, But anyway, last summer, this opportunity came up with Mountain Express. My mm-hmm. son who graduated high school is about ready to go on to college. And I thought it's time to get a full-time job. And, and fortunately, this opportunity came up. And it's been, it's been great. I've really enjoyed working there. Great. As you know, they don't have a sports section or sports department, so my <laughs> yes, opportuni- we do. Yeah, <laughs> my opportunities to write about sports, I figure, were going to be pretty limited. Yeah. Um. So, uh, but this thing did come up when I was uh, we were looking, we were searching about for a Black History Month mm-hmm. story ideas, and I had read something um, uh, for another story I was working on about this African American Heritage Trail mm-hmm. that they're they're planning for mm-hmm. Asheville. And one of the the proposed markers, I don't mm-hmm. know if they actually decided to do it or not, one of the proposed markers, though, was black baseball in, in Asheville. Oh, yeah. And that's when I first sort of like, oh, so I didn't even know, necessarily know they had mm-hmm. black professional teams here. And so when the Black History Month came along, I, saw, I said, well, why don't I look into this and I'll do a story mm-hmm. maybe about uh, the history of black baseball in Asheville. And as I did more research, I kind of zeroed in on this one particular team, the yeah. last of the three black teams that played Nashville, and that's the team, the Blues. Mm-hmm. And I just felt like their story was really interesting and deserved to be told. Yeah, it's it's, it's a great article. Can you say um, the other uh, the other teams as well? Yeah, the so the first black team, uh, black professional team in Asheville is called mm-hmm. the Royal Giants, the Nashville mm-hmm. Royal Giants. They were. Uh, founded in 1916 by this guy, um, E.W. Pearson, I believe his name was. Yep, and Pearson's one of those uh, big names in the history of Asheville, and there's like even a Pearson Avenue, I think, mm-hmm. yeah, over in exactly. Montford. That's yeah, exactly. That's the guy, same guy. Yes. Uh, they played some of their games at a place called Pearson Park, oh, yeah. named after him. Another a place called Oaks Park, Oats Park, I believe it was. Do you uh, know where Pearson Park was? I don't honestly know, yeah. although I'm sure somebody does. Yeah, <laughs> right. Because I didn't do a ton of research about that team. Yeah. Um, so they played from 1916 into the 19 tw- early 1920s. Mm-hmm. The second team was called the Blackville, uh, the Blackville, the Asheville Black Tourists, mm-hmm. and they started in 1929, I believe it was. They played throughout the 30s as an independent team. Right. Um, what happened was this guy, um, C.L. Moore, mm-hmm. was a, uh, a guy who was a, prof- a professional baseball player himself and also an educator at mm-hmm. Stevens Lee High School, the Black High School yep. in Asheville. And he ended up being a pl- player manager for that team in the late 30s and eventually became the owner by 1944. He mm. bought the team outright, changed their name to the Asheville Blues mm-hmm. because he did not like the fact that they were sort of a second-class right. tourist. He, did, right. he thought that, that these teams should have their own names. They shouldn't be because there were a lot of them around at that time. The yeah. Charlotte Black Hornets were a team, the uh, Atlanta Black Crackers. So that seems to suggest that the Asheville Tourists are, already existed? Yeah the, first, yeah, the first tourist team was 1915. Wow. I had no idea uh, that... Not popular name with me goes quite so far back. Yeah, it was a, a pre-existing team that was actually called the Moonshiners. Yes, that it, got their name changed to the Tourists, and they. There's been a few periods when they didn't exist, but pretty much since 1915, there's been most times there's been an Asheville Tourist mm-hmm. team in in Asheville. Um, so yeah, so he changed them, their name to the Asheville Blues. 
they played independently in 1944, the first year he owned them. And then in 1945, they joined this new league, which is called the Negro Southern League. Mm-hmm. It was actually the second iteration of that league, but that's, that's not really important. <laughs> a group of, t- of teams came together and formed this second uh, – this Negro Southern League and included teams from Atlanta, New Orleans, Memphis, Nashville, Charlotte. So it was Asheville and a lot of cities that were bigger than Asheville. That's I was going to say. Yeah, that's yeah. one of the interesting <laughs> things about it. And they ended up – uh, being in that league for three years, 1945 through 1947. So what was it that made, uh, maybe you haven't been able to pinpoint it, why was Asheville able to um, have a club, at, you know, much smaller city than yeah, Houston yeah, it's, and it's Atlanta? Hard, yeah. It's hard to say. I think the one thing that seems to really be clear, though, is that this guy C.L. Moore mm-hmm. was a fantastic judge of talent. There it is. And he was yeah. a fantastic leader. He was a guy – he's a real – I really would love to have known this guy. Mm-hmm. He was – people listening to this, I'm sure there's people listening to this right now who remember him. He, mm-hmm. he was a coach at uh, Stevens Lee High School for in, – until they closed in the 60s mm-hmm. and then you know, uh, went on to coach a little bit at some of the integrated schools. Mm-hmm. But he was a legend in, in North Carolina high school athletics as a football coach and a basketball coach. Mm-hmm. He also coached baseball. But he won uh, national. Uh, I'm sorry, state championships in football, state championships mm. in basketball. Oh. And uh, I, one thing I saw said that he sent more than a hundred young men on to play college sports. Wow. So um, you know, just a real leader, a guy who helped mm-hmm. shape the lives of these people who maybe wouldn't have had the opportunity to get a higher education otherwise. So he was extremely well respected, a community leader after he retired. Just again, a fascinating guy, I mm. think. Okay, we're back here on Run That Back. We're talking with Justin McGuire um, about his great article that appeared just a few weeks ago in the Mountain Express. What was the name of the article again? Pride of the Diamond, looking back at Asheville's pennant women, pennant winning black baseball team. I yeah. said that wrong twice. And so, um, w- yeah, one of the things that uh, you said, you sort of um, – you sort of honed in on um, on the blues um, because uh, because of this guy CL Moore, right? Uh, but also there was a lot of really strong community connections with that team and yeah. and the traditional African American community here in downtown Asheville. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it was a lot of fun, as you can imagine, to research this. Yeah. I, I went into the archives of the Citizen Times. Um, that's where I got most of my information. But there were some other sources as well that if people read the story, you can see what those were. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, they um, – in period, particularly in this period when they were in the Negro Southern League, the 45 through 47, when they won two championships of that league and mm-hmm. they three years in the league, um, there was a lot of community interest. There were – I found a number of stories uh, in 46 and 47. I found stories uh, previewing the season basically mm-hmm. and they would talk about – the um, the fact that these businesses were going to give away things to players for certain things. Right. There was one business that was going to give five dollar meal ticket. It was a lunch place if the, for the player who hit the, year, the year's first homer. Yes. Another one five dollars for the first triple. Uh, another one was going to give fifty dollars for the season's first no hitter. Mm-hmm. And by the way, there were no hitters that season. Yeah. I, I checked, so somebody won that fifty right. bucks. Apparently. And you said in, in current market that would be like seven hundred fifty dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Make. Something like that. And these guys were making peanuts, you know, so yeah. that, that would have been a lot of money. Yeah. That uh, is, is very cool. I, I, I thought, and you, you brought it up in the article, that there was a u- unique window um, that, that the success of this team happened. Um, so there was you know, wars going on, which yeah. did take uh, players away. Um, Jackie Robinson had not yet um, broken the color barrier. 
Yeah, um, he did during their last year. He mm. 47 was their, the year they won their second pennant. That was the first year he was with the Dodgers. So this is right at the tail end of the uh, segregated era, which is part of the story, too, because mm-hmm. what happens going forward um, is that the te- like all black baseball teams, they mm-hmm. just kind of fall apart in the yeah. 50, early 50s because the interest is gone. Yeah. The black fans are not interested anymore because the black players are all playing um, in, the, in the minor leagues or the major leagues. Mm-hmm. The white fans are no, no longer interested. The war is over. Everybody's back uh, in playing in major league baseball. So, yeah, so by the, by the 50s, it, it's not even clear exactly when this team disbanded. Right. I've seen some different things on it, and there was an indication that they were – in 1956, there was an effort to bring them back together mm-hmm. that apparently just fizzled out, never went anywhere. So it's not exactly clear when they when they ended. But yeah, that three-year period when they were in the Negro Southern League, I think that was the key was being in that league mm-hmm. because they operated independently before that and they mm-hmm. operated independently for a while after that. But being in a league and having these regular league games and the champs to win championships was, I think, a key part of, of their success in those years. And, and the Blues were playing at McCormick Field, correct? Yeah, exactly. That's another yeah. thing that really interests is interesting about this to me. Mm-hmm. It's the same. It's the same place that's still in existence in Asheville. These right. guys were playing, so it's not some. You know, you ask where was Pearson Park? I don't know. Yeah, I, I know where McCormick Field is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so is everybody else listening to this, presumably. And they not only would they play these league games, but I mentioned in the story they would bring in exhibition games against mm-hmm. the Negro Major Leagues, mm-hmm. the Negro American League, and the ne- uh, Negro National League. So they brought in teams like the Homestead Grays, mm-hmm. who were champions, the Baltimore Elite Giants, and that brought in guys like Buck Leonard, mm-hmm. Papa Bell, who were in the Hall of Fame, Josh Gibson, who is one of the probably the two most legendary Negro League players, along mm-hmm. with Satchel Paige, mm-hmm. um, and as well as Roy Campanella, yeah. who of course had gone to be a Hall of Famer for the Dodgers. He was playing with the Baltimore Elite Giants in 1945. He came through uh-huh. Asheville, and the article talking about that. Even then, he wasn't even in the majors yet. They were yeah. talking about what a star he was. Yeah. So uh, it, it, it's really fascinating the, the the level of players that came through here because the Blues were here. And you mentioned that. Uh, uh, C.L. Moore had a great eye for talent, so there were people that he you know, had on that team who would go on to do well, uh, Pendleton and others. Yeah, there were two guys that I could find who went on to play in the major leagues, mm-hmm. a guy named Bill Greason, who had a cup of coffee with the Cardinals in like 1954. Right. And then Love Jim- that baseball phrase. Yes. Yeah, exactly. It's great. And Jim Pendleton, um, mm-hmm. who was the star hitter for the, uh, the, the uh, Blues in their championship mm-hmm. years, and was a guy that uh, C.L. Moore discovered through a uh, sort of a, base, a friend of his said, you got to check this guy out. And um, he went on to play for the Milwaukee Braves, mm-hmm. uh, the, the Cincinnati Reds, the uh, Pittsburgh Pirates, and then uh, he was on the Houston Colt 45s their oh, first right. year. So he right. was on the expansion uh, 45s in uh, 1962, and that was his last year. He was never a guy who played a lot. He was mm-hmm. a utility-type player. I think he was back and forth in the minors a lot. But he got, you know, six, seven years of major league paychecks. And for a team from Asheville at that, that day and age to produce two major league players is, is pretty impressive. And I think it shows you that the talent level was quite high. Yeah. Um, there's a great quote from C.L. Moore from 1980 that I found in mm. the Citizen Times where he talked about a lot of his guys he believed could have played in the majors or the minors. But yeah. by the time Jackie Robinson integrated baseball, they were just too old. They were yeah. in their 30s already. Mm-hmm. And they weren't looking for 30-year-olds. They were looking for guys who were 20. You know? yeah. So, uh, yeah. So I think the talent level was extraordinarily high for a team at that level. And McCormick Field was segregated to, during the time that, yeah. uh, that the Blues were playing, too. One of the fascinating things that I found, one of the first things I found was both in ads and articles – 
there was this one game in particular that I sort of lead the story with. It was August 31st, 1946. They were playing the Atlanta Black Crackers. Mm-hmm. How's that for a name? Uh, yeah. <laughs> and they, it, was, it was for the uh, second half championship. The, these leagues did a split season. Mm-hmm. Which format. I thought was interesting. They yeah. still do that. I mean, that, yeah. that, you, you, that's the, the tourists are in that mm-hmm. same Southern League in which, you know, yeah. winner of the first half, winner of the second half. Yeah, exactly. So they um, – so they, they were playing for the, the championship of the of the second half. They'd already won the first half. Mm-hmm. So the Asheville kind of played it up. The Asheville Citizen Times played up this game. Um, they said, you know, come out. They're, they're expecting a big crowd. So if you want to get tickets ahead of time, here's some local businesses. Mm-hmm. Again, local business uh, being involved. You could buy the $1 tickets at these places. Mm-hmm. And then there's this line that just kind of, you know, it, it just kind of hits you in a very strange way in 2022. Yeah. It said, um, special section reserved for white uh, fans. Right. And, you know, it's something, of course, we know that stands would have been segregated back then. But just to think about the fact that they knew this was going to be largely black fans, mm-hmm. so they were putting a special section together for white fans, Just it just kind of brings home the reality of Jim Crow. Yeah. But it also brings home the reality for me that I thought was really interesting is that clearly there was interest among white fans yeah. in yeah. this team. This wasn't something that was, ju- you know, quote-unquote, just black fans. Mm-hmm. Not that there's anything wrong with being just black fans. But, right. But, yeah, there, this was a community-wide thing. Right. And one of the things I pointed out in the article, too, was that part of the reason that may have been, mm-hmm. and this is kind of speculation, is that the tourists uh, basically went out of business for the duration of the war. Oh, they, yeah. 1942, uh, they played in 42, and then 43, 44, and 45 – they went out of business because you know tra- travel restrictions, all these mm-hmm. things. A lot of minor league teams just went out of business. They came back in '46, but for those three years, the the uh, Blues basically had McCormick Field to themselves mm-hmm. in terms of high quality baseball. So that probably helped uh, build up a, 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 a you know a, a, a fan base among the the white fans. As yeah, well. yeah. Uh, well, great. Again, Justin, it's, it's a great article. Um, it did just come off the stands and replaced by a new issue. But if anyone. Uh, wasn't able to yeah, check read it in print. Uh, how could they find it online? Yeah, check it out at our website, uh, mountainx.com. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still it's still on the um, – I think it's still on our homepage probably. Mm-hmm. But if not, I think you could just search for it. And if nothing else, just Google Asheville Blues Mountain Express and mm-hmm. it'll, it'll come right up. And uh, so you also do a podcast on the side too that's about baseball. Yeah, I, I did. This is like the thing that I started when I got laid off from Sporting News yeah. back in 2016. I'd always wanted to do this and I'd never had the time. So I started doing it. It's basically – it's called Baseball by the Book. Mm -hmm. It's a podcast in which I interview uh, authors of baseball books Mm -hmm. about their books. I just had on Joe Posnanski a while ago to talk about the the Baseball 100, which is a fantastic book. And um, so I've had like 300 or so episodes. I've Mm -hmm. talked to just different authors, Rob Nyer, uh, Mm -hmm. Keith Law, Mm -hmm. a lot of people who are well-known in the baseball world. I had David Marinus on to talk about his great Clemente biography. How about Jim Bouton? Did you ever get Jim Bouton? I did not get Jim Bouton. Unfortunately, he by the time I started this, he was not in good shape. Okay, yeah, um, that's too bad. Uh, but I have, I did have uh, Mitchell Nathanson on. He mm-hmm. did a great biography of Bouton. Oh, last, like, oh that's two great. years ago. I think it was. He did a Bouton biography, so I had him on to talk about that. He interviewed Jim Bouton extensively yeah. for that. He he had developed a relationship with him. Um, before he got real ill, and so he was able to to talk to him and talk to his wife, and great book. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's about 300 or so episodes. Once I got this job at Mountain Express and was working full-time again, I kind of had to put it on the back burner, mm-hmm. but now I'm trying to do like an episode a month for 2022. Mm-hmm. I just did my first episode last week, and I got a couple more coming up in March and April. So I'm hoping to do maybe you know 10 to 12 episodes this year. Oh, that's great. 
Okay, and, remind us what it is called. Yeah. It's called can ba- find it. Baseball by the Book. Uh, and you can find it on any of the major podcast platforms. It's on Apple Podcasts. It's on uh, Spotify. Yeah. It's on, um, you know, just any of them. It's on know. Google, too. On, yeah, yeah, at Google Podcasts. Justin, thank you so much. so much. This has been great. Uh, great. Oh, no again, problem. I appreciate you guys having me Congrats on the cover story. And again, what a, just a great story. And yeah, it's, you know, with, with uh, there are, we love living in Asheville, but there are reminders that it's not uh, always the most considerate place. Um, so <laughs> it was just a, a nice little uh, pocket of history to, to know yeah, that there's just a really these, these cool guys, time to be These guys should be remembered. Earth. They're yes. great baseball players who did the city proud, and they should be remembered. Right. And, and Justin, keep writing about sports in the Mountain <laughs> Express. It doesn't happen so much. And I'm going to look for an excuse we I can. <laughs> yeah, and we'll have you back on to do so. Absolutely. Yeah, we've just got a couple minutes left, but uh, I'm really excited about March Madness. I'm ready to jump in. Yeah. Also because my team, Wake Forest, looks like we might be able to maybe make some noise. Well, hooray. Are Uh, they a bubble team I haven't even seen? uh, uh, Joe Lenardi and I are are not on speaking terms at the moment. (laughs) I'm sorry to bring up such a sensitive topic. There you go. Thanks for listening to Run That Back. We'll see you next week.